Well, Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the spirit who is moving and brooding over our lives in the same way he was brooding and then moving in the beginning. And I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking things over our lives. I thank you that you are creating new and wondrous things. Father, you are doing something exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, all that we could think, all that we would even know to ask, all that we would even know to desire, God. For Father, you are making us into a testimony of your goodness. I thank you, God, that we are living epistles, reflecting your nature, testimonies of who you are in the earth. And so, Father, we just declare, Lord, that this is a time of heaven invading earth in our lives. This is a time, Father, where the impossible seems easy. This is a time of miracles, God. This is a time of, this is, this is our finest hour, God. I thank you that the best is not behind us, but I thank you that the best is right now. And so, Father, no matter what we might be facing, Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us in the midst of it. And that the worse it looks, God, I thank you that the more glory <laughs> that is about to be released. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just reposition our hearts tonight into a place of great faith and to a place of rest, into a place where we, our hearts are fixed, trusting in you, Lord. And that, Father, we are, we are, we are walking on the water with you. Father, we are getting out of the boat. <laughs> and Father, I thank you that we're not looking at the storms in our lives. We're not looking at the way things look, Father. But I thank you that we are operating at a higher level. We are operating in the realm of the impossible. Whew, thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, just open our eyes tonight. Open our ears tonight. We just declare they are open. And that, Father, you are recalibrating our, our spiritual senses tonight, Father, so that they are, oh gosh, just what we're sensing in the spirit, what we're seeing in the spirit, what we're hearing in the spirit, Father, is far more convincing than what we are experiencing in the natural God. Thank you for angels that are encamped around us, God. Thank you that angels are right in the very room with us, God, even as we're just praying this prayer right now, God. I thank you. That we, there is more with us than be against us. And so open our eyes, God, to the reality of what you are doing, to the, to the words that you are speaking, to the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God. Give us context, Father, so that we can enjoy the ride, that we can, um, for the joy that is set before us, God, we can, we can endure whatever the physical realm might seem like at the moment. So, Father, we just um, expect you to speak. We expect you to minister tonight. We expect you to encourage us. We expect you 
to do what you do best, which is be our source for everything we need to experience the fullness of you, God, and the fullness of your kingdom and the fullness of the resurrection in our lives, God, the power that outflows from what Jesus has accomplished for us, God. We, we just declare that tonight, and we receive it in all of its fullness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a good prayer. It's a good way to start tonight. You know, I always say it's really easy just to get trapped in the scene realm, <laughs> you know, and just get convinced and deceived that what we see with our physical senses and what we sense with our, uh, you know, physical senses and what we can think with our natural minds is all that there is. But God is calling us up to a higher way of living. He is calling us to experience eternal life. He's calling us to experience the victory that Jesus has accomplished in our lives. And what that means is that we've got to look beyond the physical realm. We've got to look into the unseen realm. There's a, a great scripture in Ephesians. Let me just look this up really quick. And I want to look at it in a particular um, translation. It's in Colossians, and it's in chapter 3. And I want to look at it, I believe it's in the message translation. Let me just pull this up. It's a really good passage. It says this in Colossians 3, 1. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the action is. See things from his perspective. You know, that's an interesting scripture, especially in the message translation, um, because it, it makes an assumption about us. It makes an assumption that we don't have to just look at the things that are right in front of us. It makes an assumption because it's telling us to look up and be alert and see things from his perspective. Well, it wouldn't tell us to do that if that was an impossibility. It, it, it wouldn't tell us. It would just say, you know, look at how things are. But it's saying don't look at the, those things that are right in front of you. Look at things from a completely different vantage point. And the vantage point that, that we're supposed to look at things from is this place where we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'll just go there now, um, it says that we are seated in Christ in the heavenly realms. Uh, let me read it to you really quick. Um, and let me just read it to you in, let me just read that one in the NIV. Here's what it says. In verse 5, it, in uh, Ephesians 2, verse uh, 4, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even, we were, even when we are born dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. In verse 6, it says, And God raised us up with Christ... 
and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So if we're going to see things from his perspective and get to this new vantage point, we are going to have to connect with a reality that is not a physical reality. Uh, This scripture in Ephesians 2 requires faith. It requires that we believe in something that we can't see. It requires that we access a reality, a dimension, another dimension of reality that coexists with the dimension of physical reality. And I remember the Lord um, had me years ago meditate on this scripture in Ephesians 2, 6 for an entire year. And at the time, he was really trying to renew my mind about my union with Jesus. And he started by having me uh, meditate on the scripture, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he spent a year with that scripture with me. And then he spent another year with this, this scripture from Ephesians. But the, one of the biggest revelations I had out of that year of meditating was connecting to this place in Jesus where I was seated in heaven right now. Not a place that I was going to go after I died, although I absolutely am going to go to heaven when I die. But it was about experiencing the reality of heaven and tuning in to what was going on in heaven at, at, at any given moment, at any moment in time that we were, that I was living in earth. And really, when you connect this scripture to that uh, scripture back in Colossians, to me, it makes sense about what it's, what he's trying to say, uh, what the apostle Paul's trying to say. He's saying there is a way of living life from the perspective of heaven. And when you are living from that perspective, where you are seated in heavenly places in Christ, there's a completely different way of looking at things. Not only are you aware of what's going on and can you be aware of what's going on in heaven at any given moment, but from heaven's perspective, whatever battle you're facing, whatever would cause you to shuffle along with your eyes to the ground. I mean, that position is a pretty downcast, pretty, you know, uh, depressed kind of position or some, a, 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 um, a countenance. But whatever might keep you there, and I, I get this. I mean, there are trials and tribulations that we experience in this life. I mean, uh, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. There is uh, all kinds of trials that are going on in, in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones and the lives of people that we know. But we are not to, to, to focus on those things. We aren't to get downcast and discouraged about those things. Instead, we're supposed to look up, get alert. In other, in other words, wake up, be alert, wake up to what is real, to what is actually going on around Jesus and see things from his perspective. So how do things look from his perspective? Well, for one thing, if you go back, uh, if I go to Ephesians and back up a chapter, uh, things look pretty good from Jesus's perspective. Uh, for first of all, things look like they are victorious from his perspective. Uh, we are not, we're not victims from Jesus's perspective. Uh, here's what it says in, in just the chapter before Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 1, it talks about um, the idea that Jesus is seated far above, far above 
rule and authority and power and dominion. It says here, um, and I'll just start reading in verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for us who believe. It says that power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So here it says that Jesus sat down in heavenly places. We, you know, sat down with Christ in heavenly places at the time of the resurrection. You know, the, the, the power of our identity in Christ changes your perspective. It changes your vantage point. Because when you are seated at, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ, first of all, you're seated at the right hand of the Father. That is the place of authority. That is the place of honor. And so you are in a place of authority and honor because you are in Christ. You have authority over all of the things that are under Jesus' feet. Why? Because you're in Christ. You are his body. He is the head and you are the body. And we are jointly seated in this place of victory, in this place of honor, in this place where the resurrection has translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the realm of heaven. Now, in this place, under your feet, under Jesus' feet, which you are one with him, so those are your feet, you are far above Every principality and power, it says in a different translation, that means that there is nothing that the enemy can do to you except at this point deceive you. And how is he going to deceive you? What is the enemy's strategy here? The enemy's strategy is to keep you living like you are not seated in heavenly places. He's to keep you it's, he, he tries to keep you deceived so that your eyes are focused on the ground and you're shuffling along, acting like a mere human, acting like you're separated from the risen Lord Jesus Christ. You know, even in worship a lot of times, we, we focus like we're worshiping Jesus in heaven and we're here in the earth. And, and the truth is we're worshiping Jesus from inside of Jesus in heaven at the same time that we're worshiping Jesus on the earth. And your perspective is, is so important. I mean, our perspective is what controls what we experience. And when we are focused on the natural realm and on the things that we perceive in the physical realm, it is very easy to get overwhelmed. It is easy to get over, to get confused. It is easy to get trapped in your intellectual mind and your reasoning and your thinking rather than recognizing that you are above all of that, seated with him, and you have access to his thoughts. And you can see things from his perspective. Everything in Jesus' world, (laughs) from his perspective, is that the battle has been won. 
It's that the battle is over, is that you are victorious. He has already overcome the world. He has overcome the things that you are actually battling right now. Well, Shalise, if, 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 if he's overcome them, why am I battling them? Because the kingdom manifests by faith. The kingdom and the, the victory that Jesus has secured for you and I operates according to faith. It's the same way it operated, frankly, before the cross. I mean, Jesus said, repent, (laughs) the kingdom of heaven is here. It has arrived. He said, repent. That means change your mind, change your perspective, and believe the gospel. And a lot of times we are more aware of the world and of the things that are going on, the challenges and the trials and the problems and the tribulations that we face, rather than the victory of Jesus. I always tell people that the kingdom is really, when we are living in the kingdom, really our role is to enforce the victory that Jesus has already purchased. And the reason why it's so important that we sit in heavenly places and we, we see what's going on around Christ and we see things from his perspective is because when you sit inside of Jesus, let me tell you what you see. You see victory. You see, uh, oh gosh, you see the overwhelming, complete destruction of what the enemy had controlled prior to Jesus's victory. You see, you see things as already finished. And it's so important that you recognize that this is the reason why Jesus can sit down and rest. He can rest because the battle is over. And all that is left to do now as his body that is in the earth helping fill everything And in every way, as we are the fullness of him, we are enforcing the victory of Jesus. This is why it is so important to know our authority and to know the power that it is is in Jesus' name uh, because that is the authority that the victory of Jesus is enforced by. When we speak the name of Jesus, we are simply speaking what he has already accomplished into the seen realm. We are, we are overcoming in time what he has finished outside of time. We are, we are resisting everything and anything that is not like heaven. Let me just go to another scripture that talks about this in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, it says this. In verse, uh, we'll start in verse 13. This is when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was asking his disciples in verse 13, it says, who do people say the son of man is? And the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus asked, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, your physical senses did not pick this up. 
Peter, you're operating from a higher perspective, from a higher plane. He says, but my father in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, death will not overcome this. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And this, this, particularly this verse 19 is really about the key. When he says the keys of the kingdom, he's talking about the authority of the kingdom. He's saying, I'm going to give you the authority of the kingdom and whatever you bind, in other words, whatever you lock up with these keys, whatever you, in another translation, it says, whatever you declare illegal or improper on earth. So he says, um, that it will be locked up in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to read this to you in the amplified version because it just brings it out a little bit clearer. But this scripture is about, you know, as Jesus was revealing, I mean, as, as Peter, uh, you know, revealed who Jesus was and then Jesus revealed who Peter was, Jesus was discussing here the role that, that the church was going to play. Upon this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. Upon rock, what rock? Upon the, the revelation of Jesus' authority. Upon the revelation of the church being his body and having his authority. And here's what it says in the Amplified. It says, I will give you the keys. In parentheses, it says authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind forbid, declare improper and unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven, meaning that it's already, will have already been declared improper and unlawful, illegal in heaven. And whatever you loose, whatever you unlock, whatever you permit or declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. This scripture is such a powerful scripture because what it's saying is, is that the, the authority of the kingdom is greater than the authority of the earth. It's greater than the world. The kingdom overcomes the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And so when you, but here's the thing, you and I have a role to play. You and I have to actually enforce what Jesus has accomplished. We have to actually use the keys of authority that he has given us. And so many times we forget who we are. We forget where we're seated. We forget what's been accomplished. Why? Because we're too busy with our eyes to the ground, shuffling around under the oppression of whatever we're going through. And knowing who you are and the authority you've been given is the key to unleashing the manifestation of the victory of Jesus in your life. This means that you need to declare unlawful and improper and illegal, <laughs> and here another word it says is that you need to forbid, you need to forbid things in your life and on the earth that are forbidden in heaven. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times when I'm praying. I don't know where I got this phrase, but I've been saying it, gosh, for over a decade at least, 
that I just say, I release the jurisdiction of heaven into this situation. Meaning, I'm releasing the government of Jesus into this situation. I am releasing the victory and the authority and the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ and his government into this situation. And so therefore, cancer, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. I forbid you. I declare you unlawful. I, I, um, I deny your right to exist in this person's body because Jesus Christ has redeemed them from the curse. And so I am talking back to the storms. I am talking back to the lack. I am talking back to the circumstances that are defined, in fact, mocking the victory of Jesus in our lives. And a lot of times what we do is we take on the role of victim instead of the role of victor. And we are just passive. We're waiting on the Lord when God moved 2,000 years ago, when God defeated these things and really disarmed the principalities is what it says in another another place um, in Colossians. He literally took away the power that the enemy had. In Matthew 28, in the very last chapter of Matthew, I've studied this one for a while too, and it says that, um, let me go there, at the very last part of Matthew, it's right before Jesus, you know, right before he, we wrap up the chapter here, but it's also prior to the ascension. It's after the resurrection. And here's what it says. It says, um, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee in verse 16, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to read that again because it's very clear, but sometimes we don't live like it's clear. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In another, again, I'll I'll read it in the Amplified, but just because it amplifies a few things in that scripture. It reads in the Amplified version like this. It says, all authority, and in parentheses, it says, all power and absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, a lot of times we mistakenly think that this absolute rule of Jesus, like Jesus is seated in heaven, far above powers and principalities and dominions and rules, rulers. He's seated in this place of all authority and all power. And we have no problem believing that. Like, okay, Jesus is up there seated in authority. But we also think that it means he's in control. And just because he's got authority and power does not mean that he's in control. What, what, is, what is controlling the earth is human beings. Human beings actually have authority in the earth to either enforce the rule of Jesus or the deception of Satan. And so you and I have a part to play in Acts there's a great story in Acts. Let me just go here. It's in Acts chapter 3. And it's Peter and John. This is after the day of Pentecost. Uh, they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, Peter, who was terrified of a servant girl and denied Jesus three times, is now 
headed to, pre- you know, headed to prison because he's preaching so boldly. So, I mean, totally delivered from the fear of man. And he and John are going up to the temple. And it says that in, in verse 1 in, in Acts chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour at 3 p.m. And it says a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried along who they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, so that he could beg alms from those entering the temple. It says, so when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking them for coins. But Peter, along with John, stared at him intently and said, look at us. Now listen to this. Why did, why did, why did he want the, the beggar, the lame man, to look at them. I mean, I think it goes right along with that scripture in Colossians that says, look up, be alert, expect something, expect heaven to show up. You know, a lot of times we're just expecting more of the same. We've been down the, in the same cycle of defeat for so long. We, we just expect more of it. We've been fighting the battle that has already been won without any manifestation of victory and so we just don't expect the victory but he says look at us it says the man began to pay attention to them it says eagerly expecting to receive something from them and he probably was expecting money but the point is he he started to look look at a different from a different perspective and peter said this he said silver and gold i don't have But what I do have, I give to you in the name. And in the Amplified here, it says authority, power in the name. Let me say it again. In the authority, in the power of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. I'm going to say it one more time. Because a lot of times we say the name of Jesus. We pray the name of Jesus. We bless our food in the name of Jesus. We say it so much. We have lost the revelation of the authority and the power and what is actually in this name. But Peter and John that day were very clear about the authority of the kingdom that they had been given, about the keys of the kingdom, and about the authority that they were operating in in this moment. And they were speaking as the body of Christ. They were speaking as Jesus' body in the earth who was also in heaven, seated in heavenly places, attached to the head, and said, now, begin to walk and go on walking. It says, then he sees, Peter sees the right, the right hand of the man with a firm grip and raised him up. It says, at once his feet and his ankles became strong and steady. It says, and with a leap, he stood up and began to walk. And he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping. I mean, this guy's leaping. He's jumping. He's praising God, it says. And it says, all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the very man who usually sat begging for coins at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. And they were mystified at what had happened to him. Now, the first thing I want to tell you is that Peter and John were operating how, how you and I have been recreated in Christ to operate. Peter and John don't have an ounce more of Jesus or the Holy Spirit than any 
other believer that has ever lived, who has ever, anyone that has ever experienced salvation and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is the same one that is dwelling in you, and it's the same one that was in them. The difference was, is they knew what they had. They didn't, they didn't have silver and gold, maybe. But they did have something they could give. And what was it? It was power and it was authority over sickness and disease. It was power and authority over the curse. It was power and authority over the circumstances in this beggar's life that Jesus had defeated at the cross. And it says, if you keep reading in verse 11, it's really, really clear. It says, the blind man. It says, while he, they, he was still holding on to Peter and John, and all the people, utterly amazed, ran together and crowded around them at the covered porch called Solomon's porch. Here's what Peter's response was. He says, and Peter, seeing this, said to the people, you men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness We made this man to walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant and son, Jesus, doing him, doing him this honor. The one who you handed over and disowned and rejected before Pilate when he decided to release him. But you disowned and denied the holy and righteous one and asked for the pardon of a murderer to be granted to you. But you killed the prince. And the Amplified, it says, author, originator, source of life, whom God raised bodily from the dead. And to this fact, we are witnesses. We have seen the risen Christ. And on the basis, listen to this, of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man, whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health and complete wholeness in your presence. Now, listen to this. It says, the basis of faith in his name. On the basis of faith in Jesus' name. So it is, it is faith in knowing what Jesus has actually accomplished. It is faith in knowing that all power and authority and rule belong to Jesus. It is faith in knowing that Jesus is seated in heavenly realms right now, far above the rulers and the principalities. In another place it says, there is no other name among men whereby we must be saved. I mean, it is the name that brings salvation. Wholeness is what salvation, a better translation sometimes of salvation is because salvation is just not forgiveness of sins. Salvation is deliverance from sin. Salvation is deliverance from sickness, deliverance from poverty, deliverance from the curse. It is wholeness. And faith in what Jesus has accomplished. So many times we, we are, we, we just are not established in this. And so we aren't experiencing the victory, much less seeing the victory in other people's lives because we are not operating in the authority, the delegated authority. The, and it's not really even that delegated when you're one with the guy. 
I mean, we're his body. So we're just using it's, can we say this? It's, it's in a sense, our name. It belongs to us as much as Jesus, because we are one with him. And so a lot, you know, a lot of times we have, we exalt, we exalt the battle. We exalt the trial. We exalt the balance in our bank account. We exalt the symptoms. We exalt the diagnosis of the doctor. We exalt the problem. We, I mean, it looks, it it looks so hard. It's, you know, it's impossible. Well, of course it's impossible for humans, but we're not dealing with human authority. We're not deep. We're dealing with a completely different rule in reign, a completely different dimension of reality, the jurisdiction of heaven. We're dealing with the one who holds the keys of hell and death. And so you being passive, waiting on God to do something about your situation is exactly why you're still sitting in your situation. I mean, time and time again, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to function the way he functioned. When he stilled the storm because the disciples thought they were going to perish and die and thought Jesus didn't care, and he spoke peace to that storm, he actually rebuked his disciples by saying, Oh, you of little faith, why were you afraid? Many times he would ask them, where is your faith? Where's your faith? You know, I, they were trying to cast the, 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 the spirit out of the demoniac kid, out of the, he was epileptic, actually kept being thrown into the fire. And he said, bring the boy to me. How much longer must I serve, suffer this, this perverse generation? What does he mean by a perverse generation? He means twisted twisted in their thinking and in their perception. And it is perverse when we are not aware. And I know it's a hard word, but some of you need to hear this because your deliverance is now and and, and the miracle is in your mouth and you've had more faith in the problem than you have in the resurrection. You've had more faith in, in, in your weakness than you have in Jesus's strength. And you say, Shalisa, I've, I've spoken to things, but nothing happens. Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you need to rethink, rethink, repent, if you will, repent about who's really doing the speaking when you're speaking and whose name are you actually using. And maybe your faith has been weak because you need a refresher in who Jesus is and the power of his name. Because I know this about most people. They literally do have faith in Jesus. They pro- they may not have faith in their own prayers. They may not have faith in themselves and their own ability to, to stand and endure or overcome a situation. But I, when it comes right down to it, they, they don't doubt that Jesus has the power to do it. What they doubt is that they have the authority to do it. And you have been given this authority. Right after, in Matthew 28, when Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me, he then tells his disciples to do something. He says, go. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, that name is Jesus, the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. And sometimes we just, we are focused on the wrong thing. We're not focused on the name. 
we're, you know, there's a scripture in Revelation that says we overcome by the word of our testimony, right? We overcome, I'm sorry, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? And so we, we are not, we're not, we're not focused on the blood of the lamb. We're not focused on the, on, on the victory of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus and the testimony of what was, what happened at the cross. I mean, uh, Sometimes we just need to open up our Bible and just start to read the scriptures that talk about the authority of Jesus and what he has accomplished. Matter of fact, every Easter, that's what, this is what I do. I mean, most of the time, you know, you go and you hear these nice little sermons about Jesus is risen and we, you know, we worship the king who is risen, he is risen, he is risen. Absolutely, and I'm so for that. But what's most important is recognizing what he actually defeated and that you have the authority, not only the authority, but the responsibility to actually operate as one with Jesus in this realm. Yes, sit up in heavenly places long enough so you can see Jesus is sitting on this throne and he is high and lifted up and exalted and there is nothing, nothing in all of creation above the earth, below the earth, in this age, in the age to come that is more powerful or has more authority. It's all under his feet. And his name, he's been highly exalted and given a name above every name. There's no other name. I mean, if you were going to, you know, rank the names, he's number one. And so build your faith in the name and in the power of the name. And then when you, when you're thinking and your heart is filled with the things above, what the authority of Jesus and the victory of Jesus, I mean, you look at a lame person, and you look through the eyes of Jesus and you, when you reach and take their hand, the right hand of that lame person, that's no longer your hand. That's the hand of Jesus. And you are speaking in his name and using his hand and you are doing the same works that Jesus did and even greater works than this. Why? Because he's still alive in you and you know that he is alive in you and you know who he is. You know what he's done. You know the government that he rules and reigns from and the kingdom of heaven, you are confident that it is a reality that is greater than whatever reality that you're facing. Trust me, I get that it is easy to forget this. This is why it is so important that you that you focus, you know, that you do get your eyes off the ground and that you you be careful what you're listening to. And a lot of times what that means is that you're listening to your own thoughts you know, your own carnal thoughts, not just your own carnal thoughts. I mean, really unbelieving. There is so much unbelief everywhere we turn, even in the church. Uh, there is so much victorylessness. I don't know how to say that. There's so much defeat. I'll say it that way. You know, that it's easy to look at, well, so-and-so didn't get healed. So why am I going to get healed? Or, or, you know, so-and-so has been going through this and they haven't had a breakthrough. So who am I to get the breakthrough? Well, this isn't, this, this is about Jesus's victory. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is. It, this is about what you, what, what you don't know will absolutely kill you. What you don't know will keep you stuck. It, because you must appropriate, you must enforce, you must believe, you must have faith in what Jesus has accomplished. And the fact that you have access to this because you're in Christ is so incredible. You have access to heaven. You have access to what is going on around Jesus. In other words, you have ac- in other words, you have access to the kingdom, the full kingdom, the full reign of God. 
And a lot of times we are somehow separated from the move of God in our lives. Like God is going to do everything for us instead of him working with us and him working through us. And so here's what I know. Our words are carriers of the kingdom. They are carriers of the authority of Jesus. Jesus is a word. The name of Jesus is a word that we speak. And, and, and when Peter and John said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you, they were, they were aware of what they were in possession of. And they were aware that they could speak the name of Jesus and that, they, that, the, that the circumstances would bow to that name just as if Jesus himself had spoken to the storm or spoken to that circumstance or spoken to that lame man. They were operating from a place of union, from a place of identifying with Jesus' victory. I'm pausing for a moment because I need to, it's like sea law. (laughs) Pause and think of this. Training yourself in the midst of something that is illegal in heaven. Training yourself to actually resist that and speak to that is not like sometimes our first response. I mean, it really is a training that you do. You really do have to almost, I mean, it is a reprogramming of your mind. It really is a changing of your mind. It is a renewal of your mind so that when you find yourself in any situation, that's the first response. You know, the first response isn't worry or fear, the first response is, in the name of Jesus, you, you literally are releasing the, this victory of Jesus. Okay, I want to go um, one other place, because I just really feel like, I feel like I go there a lot, actually, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to go there, because a lot of us, I, I, think, I, I think this is really a powerful thing. In, in Revelation chapter 1, my point was, I think a lot of us, we have trouble with like, uh, we almost need like a visual aid to help us connect with the victory of Jesus. Uh, we can imagine Jesus sitting on his throne. We can imagine the victory of, of, of the powers and the principalities being under his feet. But I, I, I want to read this in Revelation chapter 1 because it is such a powerful depiction of the resurrected Jesus. Matter of fact, there was places in really throughout Revelation where you get this vision of Jesus, where you get this kind of you can you can connect with your imagination to this picture of Jesus that if you can if you can latch on to this, your life will start to become supernatural accidentally. How do I know? Because that's what happened to me. Let me read it and then I'll share a little bit with you. Uh, I'm gonna start in Uh, We'll start in verse 9. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance, which are in Jesus, was on the isle called Patmos, exiled there because of my preaching of the word of God regarding eternal salvation and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, I was in the spirit, in special communication with the Holy Spirit and empowered to receive and record the revelation from Jesus Christ on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice, like the sound of a trumpet, saying, 
write on a scroll what you see in this revelation and send it to the seven churches. I'm not going to read all the churches' names. I'm going to skip down to 12. It says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And after turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. His head and his hair were white like white wool, glistening white like snow. And his all-seeing eyes were flashing like a flame of fire piercing into my being. His feet were like burnished white-hot bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was powerful like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and in his, from his mouth came a two-edged sword of judgment, and his face reflecting his majesty, majesty and the Shekinah glory was like the sun shining in all of its power at midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, absolute deity, the Son of God, and the ever-living one living in and beyond all time and space. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of victory over death and Hades, the realm of the dead. Oh, wait, it says, I have the keys of absolute control and victory over death and Hades, the realm of the dead. So write these things which you have seen in the vision and the things which are not happening and the things that will take place after these things. So I'm going to stop here for a second because this picture of Jesus, I mean, what is cancer compared to this one? What is, what is whatever trial or tribulation you're facing compared to this res- resurrected king of the universe? His voice, when it starts here, says it sounds like a trumpet. Another place it says it sounds like the voice, it sounds like many waters. I mean, this is powerful. I mean, this is frightening to the kingdom of darkness. I mean, it says that demons hear his name and tremble. Think about it. In Jesus' ministry, every time he encountered something that was demonic, they would, they would be like terrified. Jesus, have you come to torture us? Have you come to, you know, to throw us in the lake of fire? I mean, they are terrified. The kingdom of darkness is terrified of, of Jesus. And you know what else? They're terrified of people who know that this is the Jesus living inside of them. You have this risen, resurrected king of the universe inside of you. That is why there are so many scriptures that say you are ready for anything. You are qualified, that Jesus has qualified you. He has made you a partaker of the divine nature, and he has made you qualified as a minister of reconciliation. You are qualified not because of who you are, but because of who's in you and whose name you've been given. And it was about that same time that I was, you know, meditating on Christ in you and, and being seated in heavenly places with Christ that I, Jesus took me to Revelation chapter one because he wanted me to, to, to be confident, to be fearless in the face of any giant that was going to try to come my way. And to, to not, not just be like David's confidence, but to have the confidence of Jesus himself recognizing that the giants must bow 
to the one who lives in you. The giants must, must pay homage. They must, they must bow and acknowledge every knee bows. Every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. There is nothing that you will encounter where that, where whatever you're facing, I'm talking about inanimate, inanimate objects. I'm talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about a bank account. I'm talking about a building. I'm talking about real estate. I'm talking about dirt and, and plants. There is nothing that you will encounter in all of creation that does not recognize the king of kings, that does not recognize the king of the universe, that doesn't recognize Jesus Christ and the authority of his name. The problem is we don't recognize it and we are not speaking it in with the, with the authority and the power with, with that it actually holds. And so when I began to just meditate on, I call this scary Jesus. And I, when I used to meditate on scary Jesus living inside of me, I'm telling you the seen realm responded. I mean, I, I could walk into a place exactly like in the New Testament and demonic things would begin to manifest. I would go to the gas station and Her- I remember a heretic one time came and knocked on my window. Remember, they were drawn to him. The, you know, the, it's like, it's like de- demonized people were drawn to Jesus. Why? Because they recognize, I mean, the, it, I mean, the water became wine in Jesus' presence. I mean, the, the, all of creation is groaning for you to recognize who's in you and the authority that you've been given. And for you to begin to enforce this victory, not on your own. You're not doing this apart from him. You're doing this as him. When you're speaking his name, it, you're, it's as though he is speaking. And that kind of faith raises lame people up who have been begging, you know, under the interstate in your town for decades. You see them? That's driving along in wheelchairs. And, I mean, it's no different. What's different from us is that we just aren't established in this reality. And I'll tell you, the enemy doesn't want you to be established in it. So it's, you know, halfway... Yes, it, you know, it's sometimes just not your fault because you get a hold of what I'm teaching tonight and you become unstoppable. You become undefeatable. And by the way, that is who you are in Christ. You are more than a conqueror and he always causes you to triumph. So you should be going from victory to victory to victory to victory, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. You should be going. This is a time of increase. Why? Because his government is increasing. His kingdom is expanding. This is not a recession in the kingdom. This is not a time of, this is not a season of you waiting on God. It is a season of you, if anything, getting the revelation on how to advance. And how you advance is by by taking it by force, by taking it by force, you enforce the kingdom. You tell the devil to cough up your stuff, to get out of the way, to give it up in the name of Jesus because it doesn't belong to you because you are stripped. You have no right to delay me. You have no right to deny me. You must bow to the name of Jesus and I, and, and release the inheritance that he purchased for me, for my family, for my city, for the nation that I live in. But this is coming because you and I are a part of the body of Christ who recognizes what the gospel actually means. And here's what it means. It means that heaven is here. That Jesus is not just on the throne, but he's living inside of you. 
and that because he's living inside of you, he's advancing through your life. That you are a walking testimony. You are a living, breathing epistle of what the gospel has accomplished. You, your, your life testifies of the victory of Jesus over the grave. Your life testifies that, the, that, that eternal life is now. It's not just something we live in in, in heaven. The kingdom is, let, is there too, but it's here now. And it's here because you're here and Jesus is here in you. And so I want to just, I mean, I, I want to fire you up tonight and, and shake you out of whatever passive stance that you have made, that you might have been taken. You might have been taking about whatever's going on in your life. And here's, the, and I can feel it even in the atmosphere. And it's all the buts. It's the but Shalise. I've done that. It's but Shalise, the reasonings and the theories. And, and Jesus says, you got to take that junk captive. You can't think about the doubt and the reasons it's not going to work and how you might be missing it or how you might have got it wrong. Literally, you have to keep your eyes focused on the things above. You have got to look at things from his perspective, from Jesus's vantage point. Because all of that theorizing and and intellectualizing and and trying to figure it out is a distraction meant to keep you from enforcing the victory of Jesus, from focusing on the the name of Jesus and the, the, the authority in this name. You can't be confused and speak with authority. So let it go and just get in the word. And, and, and listen, I mean, just remind yourself, I mean, remind yourself about the name that Jesus has been given, about the authority and the victory that he has accomplished. I mean, read through, read through the epistles and read it in a translation that, you know, you can, you enjoy reading. I like to read the Passion Translation. I'm doing different translations tonight, but, um, let me, um, read this, um, as well. Let me just go here. Okay, I'm going to go to Philippians 2.9. I'm going to go to Philippians 2. So in Philippians 2, this is a great place to go just to remind yourself about the victory that Jesus has accomplished. So here's what it says in Philippians. It says this, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So, but get these kinds of scriptures. Get Matthew 28. Get the, write down the ones that I've shared tonight from Colossians. I mean, you can go to Colossians and just start to read about he's the preeminent one. That in him all things exist and are held together. Hebrews chapter 3 says that he is the lawful heir of all things. It, this, this, everything belongs to Jesus. He has redeemed the earth. The enemy is an outlaw. The curse is an outlaw. And I, it's like the name of Jesus is like we are the sheriffs that are out there enforcing the victory of Jesus, enforcing the law of the land, which is the kingdom of God. 
And you've got these keys to lock this mess up. I mean, bondage of any kind, except you putting the enemy in bondage, is illegal. Jesus took captivity captive. And sometimes I think we've just not been, maybe we just haven't been, I don't know, sometimes mad enough. Maybe we just haven't been sick and tired enough. And and let me say this, one of the enemy's favorite tricks is to make it about you. You know, to make it, well, you know what, you didn't eat healthy, so you deserve to get sick. You didn't take care of yourself. You didn't exercise right, so you deserve to be sick right now. Well, you know what, you didn't steward your finances. You, you spent too much money, so you deserve to be in lack right now, right? It makes it about something we do versus something that Jesus actually already did. This is not between you and the devil. This is not even about you. You, you are righteous because of your in Christ. Matter of fact, your life is hidden in Christ, so stay hidden in there and don't get out and try to be self-righteous and try to earn something that the cross paid for. It's not about you. Let that go. Matter of fact, if the devil, just tell the devil, shut up. It's not about me. I mean, Jesus told him the devil to hold his peace. That's, a, that's the old you know, King James version of shut up. You know, tell the devil, you can say it nice, hold your peace, or you can just say shut up. This isn't about me. It says those that receive, it says this in uh, Romans chapter 5, those that receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in kings as, uh, reign in life as kings. What kings? The king of the kings. You will reign in life as a king when you receive the abundance of grace, the abundance of what Jesus has accomplished and the free gift of righteousness. So don't let him make it about you. Don't earn something that the blood of Jesus has already purchased for you. It's just a matter of knowing that it's, you can't earn it and that it's already been purchased. So you're just enforcing what's been purchased. This is mine. I already have it. So get off of me and get off of the, 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 the reality of what belongs to me. And the re- I am healed. I'm healed because by his stripes, I'm healed. So sickness, get off of me. Quit. I, I'm resisting you. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed resisting sickness. I'm not the broke trying to get rich. I'm the rich resisting poverty. And you resist it how? In the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. In, with the jurisdiction of heaven. So I know I'm a little fired up tonight, but I, I feel like people need to hear this. Get your eyes off yourself. And I'll, I'll wrap up by reading that, that scripture in Colossians one more time. It's in Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read it again in the, the message translation. And here's what it says. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to read it in a different version first. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. I really like it. Because this, man, this is so good. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned in the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, says, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. I'll keep reading here. It says, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tide of this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen who really is, Who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. 
so powerful. I mean, this, this is what we are to set our minds on. I mean, if you've never just taken these scriptures that I've said tonight and really made them a part of your understanding and made it a part of your own personal revelation, well, I'm going to give you that as homework because this is the way of escape for you. I mean, the, the way of escape is knowing that everything that you're facing has to bow to the name of Jesus. And faith in his name, trusting his name. When I say, I mean, you, you know it. You know it. it. This isn't something you, you know, had to muster up. But you know what Jesus has accomplished. You are, you know, you've... You recognize that the risen, resur- I mean, Christ's resurrection, the white hair, the, the white like wool, the face shining like the sun, like you are, you know this man has the authority and the power. And I think a lot of times we, we struggle. What's the will of God in this situation? What's the will of God in this situation? I don't know the will of God. Well, the will of God is always heaven. It's always the kingdom of heaven. And the, king, and the kingdom of heaven is 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 independent of the curse. There is no curse in heaven. It's only blessings. It's only increase. It's only wholeness. It's only salvation. It's only peace. It's only righteousness. It's only joy. You know, in this world, you will have tribulation. Yes, you're going to be tempted and there's going to be trials to get you to stop operating in this revelation. But we can be of good cheer. Why? Because the reality of is, is of it in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the tribulation, Jesus has overcome whatever is coming against you. So be of good cheer because it's already been overcome. All that's left to do is for you to believe it and you to enforce it. I tell us, I tell, I, I say this sometimes. I say the body of Christ are kingdom enforcers. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden we are called to make the earth look like heaven. We are called to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth, make it look like heaven, in other words, and take dominion. And taking dominion means that you actually have to exercise authority. It means dominion is someone in authority. You are seated on his throne. You have the name of Jesus, and you have dominion over powers, principalities, rulers, not apart from Christ, because you're in Christ, because you're one with Christ, you have dominion. And so, Father, I just thank you that um, right now I just release the dominion, the rule, the reign of Jesus, the jurisdiction of heaven over every single person that is listening to this podcast or here tonight, Lord. And I just declare victory. I declare victory. I declare victory, 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 victory. I mean, undefeated. I declare we have an undefeated track record, Father. We're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And I declare today is the day of salvation. Today is the day, hey, of breakthrough. I declare it stops now. I declare the enemy is cut off. I declare he is blind. He's confused. He's overwhelmed. He, he's deaf. He can't, he can't connect uh, with I- anything in the spirit realm. I just declare, God, that we are advancing. We are, we are uh, overcoming <laughs> uh, the trials and trials tribulations. We are speaking to storms. We are cursing fruitful fruitlessness in our lives, God. We are doing the same works that Jesus did and even greater works. And I just release uh, authority and victory, Father, and joy and breakthrough, God. And I, I just declare 
that this message, Father, is um, just a message in due season for people, Father, and that they are going to listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, listen to it until they get it. And I thank you. I just, I just want people to let me know about the testimonies that are, that, that happen as a result. You know, email the ministry. Email us at, you know, info at chalice.com and share your testimony with me. I want to know how, how the Jesus in you is being released through you. I want to know how the name of Jesus is causing the seen realm to manifest heaven. And I just bless you tonight. I bless you with all of the things that are already yours. Amen. Well, if you've not yet downloaded a free copy of my book, I want to make sure that you know to, where to do that. You can go to www.thepathfreebook.com. That's thepathfreebook.com. And you can also, by the way, sign up to do a one-on-one strategy session with me to talk about your life purpose, to talk about where you are in life, and uh, possibly, uh, as a result of that strategy session, be invited into my Emerge School of Transformation, which is transforming lives, putting people on purpose, causing people to experience God and understand the gospel like never before. People are detoxing from religion and experiencing victory like never before. And if you want to be a part of that, uh, the best way to do that is download a copy of my book and schedule a strategy session and we can talk more about that. And also, if you want to uh, partner with the ministry or support the ministry, uh, it's your gifts that make these podcasts possible and uh, keep us here in our building uh, here in Woodland Park. And so I just thank you so much for faithful partners and those that are making this possible. You can go to Shalise.com and make a donation. You can also sign up for a recurring donation there. You'll see a, a place that you can give and donate. So, Father, I just, once again, I just thank you for everyone that's listening. And I uh, believe and release, Father, uh, incredible, incredible miracles, incredible miracles of breakthrough thought, Father, even as a result of this podcast. And I just uh, thank you for it in advance and uh, call it done. In Jesus' name we pray and we call it done. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. And, you know, drop me an email and let me know how we're being a blessing.